Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Date Yourself Radio. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, and I'm a green smoothie enthusiast, a radical self-care advocate, and a dating mindset coach for ambitious women looking for a deep and meaningful romantic partnership. Each week, you'll hear me answer a frequently asked question from this community, interview experts in the field, or work directly with the caller as I coach them through a dating or relationship obstacle they're facing. I give practical advice and tangible action that you can apply to your own life so you can learn how to treat yourself the way you want to be treated and get into the relationship you desire and deserve. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode number 49 on Date Yourself Radio. I know I've said this before, but I just wanted to say again how grateful and appreciative I am to each one of my listeners. I absolutely love hearing the insights and ahas you learn from the show each week. And I know I share a lot of my stories and insights from what I'm learning and my experiences, but this show really isn't about me. It's about each and every one of you who tune into the show while you're walking your dog, doing the dishes, or commuting to work, or however else you listen into my podcast during your day. So thank you so much for lending me about an hour or so into your earbuds each week. Because together, we're creating a new story behind what it means to be single, to be dating, and to be an empowered woman in a modern relationship. So what I think, or at least hope, what I'm really inspiring you to do is to play big, which brings me to the topic of today's show. I invited my friend and life coach, Maddie Moon, from maddiemoon.com today onto the show. And some of you may remember her. I was on her show, Mind Body Musings, earlier this year. So I'll be sure to include that episode in the show notes so you can hear me in the hot seat. But I believe when it comes to relationships, playing big is about being who you are unapologetically, not feeling the need to explain yourself, and honoring your intuition. And Maddie and I dive deep into this topic today. But before we get there, I wanted to remind you that early enrollment for my signature program, the Dating Mindset Bootcamp, opens the day after Christmas. So if you've been on the fence about joining us or have been putting it off until you have more time or money, this is when you're going to want to stop putting it off. Because when you join during the early enrollment period, which will run between Christmas and New Year's Eve, you get to join us at the 2016 price. So yes, the price of the bootcamp is going up in 2017. So join us now and save yourself $200. And you'll also get a complimentary 60 minute coaching session with me. And I'll review your dating profile. The bootcamp isn't going to start until February 2017, but joining now, you'll get to save yourself some money and get direct access to me. And I just want to emphasize that the savings and extra bonuses are only available during the early enrollment period. So make sure you head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash bootcamp to learn more, see if the program would be a good fit for you, and get on the wait list so you don't miss out. Again, that's veronicagrant.com forward slash bootcamp, and all of those links will be in the show notes. Okay, so back to my conversation with Maddie. As you're listening in, I want you to consider these questions. Do you think or has someone told you that you're supposed to be a certain way 
because of your gender, socioeconomic class, or ethnicity, or even something else? Does your drive towards reaching your goals or even perfectionism cause you to disconnect from yourself or others? And are you playing small? Do you hide from fear from putting yourself back out there? Are you afraid to release control or does the fear of rejection hold you back? As you can tell, this is going to be a super juicy conversation, so keep these questions in mind as we dive in. Okay, we are back and I have Maddie Moon with me. Welcome, Maddie. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on my show. So for my audience, um, if you're newer to me, I was on Maddie's show probably about a year ago, almost a year ago now. Um, so I'll make sure to put that show in the, sh- in the show notes just so you guys can all listen in um, to that interview. But now Maddie is here and she has all sorts of fun stuff to share with us and teach us today. So just um, just for people who don't know you, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing in the world. Awesome. Yes. So I am a transformational life coach and a motivational speaker, a podcaster, an author, a little bit of everything. And I have been teaching women how to play bigger in life, how to really step into the power that they were born, they were born with the, the, the voice that they've been diminishing for over five, 10 years out of uh, fear or the fear of rejection, the unknown, having to constantly feel like they need to control everything. I help people break those limiting beliefs and really take control of the life that they they want to be having, the relationships they want to have, the financial health they want to have, the mindset they want to have. And it's taken me a while to get to this place myself, but now mm-hmm. that I've been able to really flourish and find my own way, it's been a gift uh, for me to be able to share my own story on my podcast and in my books. And fortunately, along the way, some people were inspired here and there. So I've been able to make <laughs> a business out of it, and it's been wonderful. Awesome. I love that. So can you tell us, um, you know, I know you have a, a pretty, you know, a pretty, um, I mean, you have an amazing story. So can you give us like the Cliff Notes version of how you got to, you know, playing big and being where you are right now? Definitely. So I began to cultivate some very disordered habits when I was young. I realized the pressure that women had to look a certain way, act a certain way, be this. This is what a woman is. This is what a lady is. This is what a beautiful woman looks like. All of these different messages I started to absorb at a very young age. And I started to cultivate some very disordered habits with my food, my way of thinking, my body image, how I related to other women, constantly telling myself the story that I needed to be thin, that I needed to be the girl that had all these guy friends, you know, the Mm -hmm. one that doesn't really relate to other women because I'm not a typical woman. And it was very, very um, damaging for me to have this type of mentality where I felt that I had to disconnect from other women and look a certain way and and be special and be known. And out of that pursuit, I created some eating disorders. And when I went into college, I signed up for my first bodybuilding show because voila, it's this way to have an eating disorder. No one really knows. And everyone thinks it's fitness and everyone thinks it. In fact, I was hurting my body every single day, doing obsessive training, working out with pneumonia. Like I was so full force and my body image was so terrible. Even when I got down 6% body fat, I disliked my body more than I ever had my entire life. I was isolated. I was depressed. I was lonely. All trying so hard to fit this particular body type that the world said I had to have have it that I wouldn't be perfect and I wanted to be a perfectionist in every way possible. I did this for a couple of years and after my second show I had this moment where I was looking at the ceiling of the hotel room laying on my back after finishing the, the second show and I just remember saying none of this was worth it and it was a huge aha moment for me because up until then I did everything I could to make everyone believe I was happy. I did the diet, I did the training, I lost all this weight that I did not need to lose and I shouldn't have lost. And I kept trying to convince everyone, my family, my friends, yes, I'm happy, this is good, this is the life I want, this is awesome, I love this. But in fact, I was suffering and it was painful and I was lonely. And I finally came out and announced that 
after that show, when I didn't get first place, it just mm-hmm. became so clear, it became so clear to me that I was hurting myself. I was hurting my body and I was disconnecting from other humans out of the pursuit to be perfect. And where was that going to lead me? It would always lead me lying on a hotel bed, staring at the ceiling saying, is this it? And that's mm-hmm. not how I wanted to live my life. I wanted to be known for something more than that. And I knew if I wanted to be known for something more than that, I needed to break away from my perfectionism, from my obsessions and to live life more intuitive and more go with the flow and allow my body to take its natural shape. So that's just where I wanted to start. I just wanted to start by fixing myself and these things that were going on in my life. I had no idea I was going to be a leader for women breaking these limiting beliefs. I just wanted to heal my heart. So I ended up doing a series of events. I moved from where I lived. I moved to Colorado, didn't know a soul, but I wanted to start fresh. I got a dog, so I would have just (laughs) something to give me some daily joy. Mm -hmm. And that definitely worked. And Mm -hmm. I began my podcast. I started writing some books. I created some programs, some courses. And then I started coaching people through body image and disordered eating recovery. And about seven months ago, I realized that that was no longer serving me talking about body image and disordered eating all day long. And I wanted to make a big shift in my life, which also means I needed to make a shift in my business. So I left the space of body image. I'm still very body positive, of course, but I don't Mm -hmm. spend my time rehashing that story and that message. I've, Mm -hmm. I've moved past that. I've evolved. And so now for the past seven months, I've been working specifically with transformational life coaching and of course, it can encompass some of those surface level issues such as um, disordered eating habits, but there's always the underneath stuff. That That's the stuff that I target and hit home with, the insecurity, the fear of rejection, the fear of not being in control, what people think of you. That's the stuff that I really am passionate about talking about these days and in as tiny as of, of a nutshell as I could possibly make it. That's my story and that's how <laughs> I got to where I am today. I love that and I really relate to your transformation in your own life and your business, because I did a very similar thing. Um, just over a year ago, I was, I was a health coach in the, in the body image, um, area universe as well. And then trans transferred to the dating and really when it comes down to it, self-love universe, because that's really what dating is, <laughs> is all about. But that's just really where my, where my story was. So I, I just, I love that you were able to, to do that both for yourself and, um, and for your business. So, um, so a lot of my audience in the Date Yourself community are really new to this personal development world. And a lot of things like playing big or playing small get thrown out there. And I'm not sure that people know what that really means. So I'm just kind of curious because it's something that you coach women around. What does playing big mean or look like? Like does playing big mean you have to be like, you know, big and famous and, you know, all these things. And what does playing small mean? Mm, good question. I'm so glad you asked that because I think it does often get misunderstood. When I first heard the term playing big, I really thought that meant if you have a business, because this is the where, where my mind was at the time, mm-hmm. if you have a business, get bigger. That's what yeah. I thought it meant. And so automatically I was thinking, well, good thing I'm an entrepreneur because this speaks to me. If, if I wasn't an entrepreneur, playing big wouldn't apply to me. And that is not the message that I want to be sharing and spreading when I say playing big. Playing big is for a mom, is for a teacher, is for an artist, is for a daughter, is for a father, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, anyone can play big. And to me, playing big really means to break limiting beliefs and step into your own uh, truth. So I won't say power, but let's say truth in this instance. So let's do an example here then. A person who's playing small would be someone who waters down their language because they're afraid of sounding too bold. They are constantly thinking, what does this person think about me? Do they think that I'm a dork? Did I sound like a dork? Um, what am I wearing something that looks goofy? Um, should I tone down this, this look? It is someone who really, really wants to go travel, go solo travel, but is so terrified of what, uh, could happen that they don't. It's someone who has a dream of, creating something, starting a business, but the fear of failure is so intimidating and frightening that they don't. That's playing small. It's the fear. It's the fear controlling your actions, the fear of what people think, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection. Anyone who is living their lives out of fear is playing small. Now, Mm -hmm. playing big is facing the fear. It's not 
defeating the fear. It's not overcoming the fear. It's just to face the fear and put you in the presence of the fear. Um, playing big would be someone who goes out and does that trip and, and travels because they know their heart wants it. And um, staying in a tight bud becomes more painful than blossoming and they would rather blossom. Um, it would be someone who playing big would be someone who is not af- afraid of rejection. So does ask that person out on the date or, uh, goes after that business and does the research that, that is required of them to do, to do it. It's really just stop, stop living your life afraid of fear and be in the presence of it. To me, that's playing bigger. And it does require mm-hmm. things like taking leaps and having leaps of faith and trusting and surrendering to the how and believing it's possible and believing in yourself and speaking boldly and, and not apologizing for everything you do. You bump into someone, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You accidentally speak at the same time, someone else speaks, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stop mm-hmm. apologizing for you being you. Like mm-hmm. take out that language that is not serving you. Um, so many different things go into playing big and playing small. And I could probably write a whole book about it, but I don't have to <laughs> because there's an awesome book by Tara Moore called Playing Big. And that is the perfect book for anyone that wants to understand more about what it actually means to play big. Awesome. So we'll include that link in the show notes for everyone listening. Um, and I really appreciate what you shared about playing big or small because I was introduced to that language again as a fellow business owner. And I would get so anxious thinking like, Oh my God, am I not playing big? Am I not playing big? Even though I felt like I was putting myself out there every day, you know, as a business owner, but I didn't have like, you know, the growth or the list or the income that I thought was quote unquote big. And so I just really appreciate, um, uh, you know, how you, how you approach it. So for someone who realizes that, Oh, maybe I'm playing a little bit small and we'll just use the example of, um, a relationship, just, you know, through the theme of this community. Um, what are just like one or two really tangible steps that they could start taking to get, um, to face the fear to start playing a little bit bigger in their lives? Well, I'm sure you, you're the person that has the best advice for this. Um, but if we're going to use the specific example of dating, um, one of the first things that I would say is to act as if acting as if you already have that relationship that we want. So getting clear on the type of relationship you want and then acting as if, um, so let's say you really want a relationship, but um, look at your home. What does it look like? Is there, is there literal space for a partner? Is there mm-hmm. space there? Is, what does your bedroom look like? Is it inviting? Is it welcoming? So clean up your physical space and act as if you already have a person in your life that you know is coming over tonight to cook dinner with you and have wine. Is your bedroom a sanctuary? Is your living room cozy? Have your home reflect the type of relationship that you want to invite into it. I really like that one. Because uh, it's not it's not one you think about often. So if you have nightstands on both sides of the bed, is one of them cleared out? Is there room for this person? I love um, that. Make that physical room for this person's presence and acting as if. So it's it's basically you manifesting what you want, telling the universe and uh, praying that you're ready. You're ready for this and you're welcoming and and this is how ready you are. You're so ready that you have a nightstand already cleared out, ready for this person's books and, and glasses and belongings. So that's one thing you can do. And the other thing, which would definitely be a tangible thing, is getting over that fear of rejection mm-hmm. by putting yourself out there, signing up for dating sites. Or if you see a cute person at the grocery store, strike up a conversation about asparagus. I don't know. I'm not a pro <laughs> at this. But yeah. I do know that when you smile at someone and you say hi, it can really open up doors. And yeah. uh, dating especially, there was a guy that I saw – uh, walking past me one day and I was just in a really good mood and I was just like, Hey, how are you? And I had never met him, never seen him, but he had a great smile. And I was just like, I'm going to say, Hey, how are you? And of course one thing led to another and we ended up swapping numbers and went out on a date. And that was just great. It was me taking a little bit of initiative and it felt kind of powerful because though I believe in, in taking the back seat and, and letting the man do the masculine part of asking out whenever it's appropriate, sometimes mm-hmm. Sometimes, why not be the one to make the space for that conversation to happen? He doesn't know if you're taken or single, so there's no harm in smiling and saying, "Hey, how are you?" Um, and and say that they don't want to date you. I mean, that sucks. That doesn't feel good. But I, I think that the more you get in that 
position of any kind of rejection, the more you become a little bit immune to it and stop taking Mm -hmm. it so personally. It's easier said than done. I totally understand that. Yeah. But, um, I think that with anything, you have to believe that rejection is God's protection. So anytime someone says, oh, this isn't a good fit, we're different, um, I think we should be friends, rejection is God's protection. It could have you know, fizzled out in a, a much more unpleasant way in the future when you invested a lot of time with them. So every time you do get rejected in anything in life, always remember it's God's protection. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love just how some of those really simple things can you know, it can be that simple to, to play big. It doesn't mean, you know, doing these big grandiose things. And I definitely want to come back to, um, your comment about masculine and feminine. Cause I, I was, you know, before this interview, I was looking through your website and I, um, saw a YouTube video that you did a few weeks ago. So I definitely want to come back to that. But first I just want to, um, finish out this conversation around playing big, playing small and, um, and, and really getting over this fear. So when we're talking about, um, you know, people speaking their truth, being more authentic, stepping, you know, stepping into their, their truth. What specifically do you find working with your clients that women are most scared of? Hmm. Most scared of, um, I would say, and this is something that's scary until you realize what you can do about it. And then it's empowering. Mm -hmm. So there's hope. But I think one of the scariest things for people is, the fear of not being able to control others, what they think about you, what they do, how they act, how they respond. It's scary. It's scary when, when there's a person in your life that has triggered you in some way or another, all of your life has put you down, um, has judged you, has shamed you publicly. It's scary whenever you are going to meet this person, maybe it's a mom or a family member, a friend, um, and you know, they're going to be at this party, this Christmas gathering. And you're like, ah, I so want to make sure they do not bring up that thing that happened in second grade, blah, 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 or whatever it could be, something much bigger than that. Mm. Well, the fear of not being able to control that situation can eat people alive. Yeah. But it is so empowering for all of my clients and and people who, who get this when you realize that you can't control it. Then it's almost as if there's this huge mindset shift. When you actually believe you can control it, there's so much anxiety because you're, you almost feel like it's your duty to make sure this person doesn't do a certain thing. But then Mm. when you realize you physically cannot, there is no way possible that you can control this. It's almost like this huge weight is lifted off your shoulders and it's, Oh, I don't have to control this. In fact, I can't. So the only thing I can control is how I react to it. And then knowing that you have the power to either get upset about this thing or move past it and and not let it affect you is so amazing and empowering and makes every situation so much easier when you just realize the only thing you can control is your reaction to this experience. How are you going to react to it? It takes a long time to learn. Mm-hmm. It takes practice. It takes uh, constant reminder, journaling, uh, introspection. But when you do realize that you can make happiness a choice, you can have joy, even in the midst of this person's presence, you can look past it. You can forgive them. You can forgive yourself. Uh, you can choose to know that whatever this person is doing is about them, not about you. You're going to spend a lot more time within your own happiness. You're going to spend a lot more time focusing on the things that actually do matter instead of getting all frustrated and mad that this person said this thing and you couldn't control it. Uh, let Mm -hmm. it go. Let Mm -hmm. that shit go and just be within yourself and choose how something affects you. And, and that I, I I know it's, it, again, it can be harder to do than to say, but also it's not the hardest thing ever. It really isn't. It's when you start practicing it, it becomes a lot easier to, be in the presence of someone who may not agree with you on everything. And just in your, in your own physical body, you say, I'm going to let this just pass. I'm, I'm going to let this go. It's this person. It's not this person's fault. They're using the tools that they have to understand the situation. And that's why they say what they say. It's not about me. It's about them. And may they be well. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's a huge struggle with, um, the date yourself community too, is, um, just feeling like, 
they want to be in control of everything. Like they want to control who's messaging them on online dating or what guys are doing or what other women or the exes or whatever, whoever's doing everything. And, and I agree, like it's, it's so easy to say just, you know, release control, but then actually doing it, um, is much harder, um, easier said than done. So let me just make sure I understand you right. You're just basically saying like you can literally have, you know, for someone who is in a situation where, you know, they're getting triggered or someone's doing something that's not something that they want to be done. Um, they can literally have just like an internal dialogue with themselves saying like, I can just let this go, let this roll off. Is that, is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And to add on to that, I would say you also have the choice to not have this person in your life. You mm. have every right to do that as well. You, even if it's family, right? I mean, you have the choice to spend time with this person to not, um, there are certain people, um, see, I love this. I love this full circle. I love what you said on my show about staying and settling. Mm, I love that. And I think that's the very similar thing going on here with people in your life. You can stay, if you choose to stay, then do the mind, do the, the force of the mind and, and relax and chill out and let this person be themselves. If you're settling, um, that might be different. And, and that, that, that means that that relation might actually need that, that, that relationship <laughs> might actually need to go. That yeah. might not be serving you anymore. So are you staying? And if you're staying, take responsibility, take responsibility for your actions. If you're staying in this uh, friendship, then you better learn how to have this internal dialogue so that you can enjoy the time you have with this person. But if Mm -hmm. you're settling or if you're feeling chained to it, make the decision to do what's best for you and possibly leave this friendship or spend less time with this person, Mm -hmm. do whatever it is that is the, the, the biggest act of self love for you. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's so important. This, this episode will air before the holidays. So for anyone listening and are stressed about holiday gatherings with family, um, then, then this will be super relevant. So that adds a little, a really nice segue into, um, a podcast episode you did. I don't remember when I was just again looking through some, some stuff online and you're talking about eight different ways, you know, a relationship isn't working and I won't make you go through all eight. We'll just put that link to the show in the show notes. But what are, um, like maybe one of the, the, either the biggest or the top two or three things that you see over and over again, either in your own life or with your clients, um, where maybe someone's like trying to make a relationship work that's not working or thinking that this is just how it is. Um, what, what's, what's your experience there? Hmm. Okay. So let me think about, I have a million different things running through my head. Let me think about which ones I want to say. Um, the first one that I would say would probably be, um, if you hear, if you're going, if you're going around and you're getting advice about a relationship, but every time you hear it, you're kind of like, meh, meh. like you don't <laughs> want to work through the issues. You, you've lost the drive to work through the issues. I think that is sometimes a very good cue that a relationship has come full circle and it's, it's ready to be completed. And I, I I'm not saying that I'm not giving out any kind of advice for people right now. I'm sharing my insight, my clients. So I don't know if you're married. I don't know what your situation is, but I'll say for me personally and what I've noticed and what I've experienced in my own body, when I had my last relationship that ended in April, I, I really felt this resistance to learn how to grow in this relationship. I felt an immense resistance whenever I would be talking about it or trying to get insight from my family or friends. I really did not want to take any of the advice, but I can't, I couldn't help but continue to ask. And I think for me, that's a huge warning sign of, of going around and trying to get insight on how do I fix this? This is our problem. This is our problem, but not wanting to fix it anymore because you both have to want to change in order to make this relationship continue to grow. You both need to want that. You have to Mm -hmm. be willing to put in the effort. Um, so that's one of the really important things. If, if, if you're not really wanting to make a compromise, uh, and work together Mm. now, um, Another thing that I did talk about in that podcast was settle versus stay. So thank you. I need to Mm -hmm. say thank you for that. And I gave you full credit for that. Um, And then another thing I would have to say is if, if your partner, if you're wanting this partner to 
complete you. And I'm sure you talk about this yeah. as well, because a partner is not supposed to complete you. They're not supposed to fill in holes and gaps yeah. in you. You need to be filling in those holes and gaps. So if you're relying on a person to do that, and I, I suppose another way to put this is codependency, mm-hmm. um, the partnership is not going to work. It's yeah. not going to work because a person can never give you what only you can give yourself. You must first learn how to give yourself that full self-love and really appreciate who you are as a person. And the other person will enhance you. Um, I, I worked with, uh, I've worked with a couple clients and with, with, with one, one story that comes to mind when I think about this is that I worked with a girl who, um, had, disordered eating habits. And she really relied on her partner to tell her what to eat. Like at every meal, she was like, tell me what to eat, tell me what to eat. And whenever he couldn't tell her what to eat, because obviously he's not her, mm-hmm. he doesn't know. And he's a, he's a guy, he's not in her head. It's just, it doesn't, that does not work. But that was a lot of pressure for him to become the person that tells her exactly what to eat, to, to dictate and determine her actions. That was so much pressure yeah. and they had so many fights and no wonder she was giving him a task he physically could not complete. He was going to fail every time because even when he told her, this is what you want, this is what you need, it wasn't right. It wasn't necessarily right because it wasn't her being able to tell herself that. So that's really important is making sure you're not looking for someone to complete you. They're enhancing you. And if you're in a relationship right now where you're like, oh man, I do that. I make my partner become part of me or I make them um, I, I, I lean on them whenever I feel deficient in something in my own life. That's okay. That doesn't mean the relationship isn't going to work out. It just means that it's a great area for you to target. What is it that you're relying on him to do and how can you become that for yourself? Yeah. That's the great question to yeah. ask. Yeah. And, and that's something that I've said over and over again on the show before. Whenever I feel like Stevie and I are feeling a little bit off or maybe if we're arguing more or something, it, it, 90% of the time, it just comes back to me and my own growth and my own stuff. And it rarely has anything to do with whatever he is or isn't doing. Like we both have our own, you know, personal work to do. So I, I love that, that you, that you shared that. Um, so one more thing about relationships, and then I want to ask you a couple other questions. Um, so I'd love to talk to, or to get your spin on feminine and masculine energy. And I've asked a lot of my guests about this and I just find everyone has their own different take on it. And especially for us, you know, goal oriented for entrepreneurial women, um, we put on our masculine hats a lot. And for me personally, I struggled with being more feminine because I had this belief, oh, well, that's weak or it's not being feminist to be, you know, feminine or, or even I thought it as girly, like to me, feminine and girly were synonymous mm-hmm. for, for a long time. So I'm just kind of curious, like, how do you balance feminine masculine energy just for yourself? Um, but then also, um, when you're, when you're dating and when you're in relationships, I feel like this is such a rabbit hole because everything <laughs> I, I will, I will say it will probably take me to another idea and another thing and another thing and another thing, because I'm learning so much about this right now. Yeah. But if I could try to make this as clear as possible without jumping around too much, I'd probably say I'm very similar to you and mm-hmm. that I always associated, uh, womanly with girly with weak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, they were all linked. So the phrases growing up hearing, you know, uh, you're not like most girls. Well, geez, I don't want to be like most girls if, if this is a compliment um, <laughs> or cry like a girl or uh, nagging like a, oh, my wife is nagging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that stuff got in my head and I wanted to be as far away as possible from that. And so I became very uh, driven and goal oriented, structured, organized, ambitious. Um, I'm not afraid to speak up. And I think because I was not fully embracing my feminine, I attracted men who didn't fully embrace their masculine. They Hmm. were attracted to my masculine energy and because they were lacking it in certain ways. And I guess I was attracted to their slightly feminine energy, their softer side, their sensitivity. I'm going to tell you that doesn't work. (laughs) That didn't work. That doesn't work. That will never work for me. I'm not saying for everyone 
same sex couples. I have no idea. Traditionally speaking though. And like for me and my relationships, that does not work. It's, it's not a good balance. It'll cut. It always came back to bite me in the butt. Mm -hmm. I needed to fully learn how to embrace my feminine, to be sensitive, to be an emotional being, to feel, to be, allow myself to have that creativity, the flow. And when I started to connect with that more, I realized it was very difficult for me to be in a relationship where we were both filling that part. It was not, um, it was not beneficial to either one of us. And whenever I felt like the person I was with had more of this softer, feminine, sensitive side, I would counter balance it out by Mm -hmm. going even harder on that masculine side of myself. And, um, it led to problems and it led to me not being very nurturing. Now I'm not saying it's this person's fault. It's still my responsibility. I still take 100% radical responsibility, but I also realized in that process, what happens when I'm with someone that has the energy that I, that I want to embody. I need to embody that energy first to attract the kind of person that has the opposite masculine energy that I want to be with. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the one to make all the decisions and lead and, um, and, and I want to lead because we can both lead together in our own unique, beautiful ways, but there's a certain kind of masculine energy I'm very attracted to of the protector and the decision maker and not to say that we're not making decisions together, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? He has yeah. a gut reaction to something. He knows what to do. He's strong physically, mentally, emotionally. I like that. I'm attracted to that. And not everyone is, and that's absolutely 100% fine, but I am. And it's good for me to have someone else embody that so that I feel more open and expressive and feminine. And I allow myself to feel that nurturing part of me more and more. I heard a quote once that was, perfect for me. What makes you succeed in business often makes you uh, fail in relationships. And that's very true for me because what was making me succeed so much in my business, and I'm assuming similar to you, the um, drive, the ambition, the determination Mm -hmm. was not so healthy for relationships. And it wasn't giving me what I needed. I needed to finally feel the soft, feminine, creative flow side of me. And I've learned that lesson over the past year. So it's a recent Mm -hmm. understanding. And since I've been able to get clear on that, I can't even tell you, Veronica, how awesome it's been for me to be able to get aligned with what I need to be first before I have a partner. And my boyfriend now is just exactly what I wanted in in an opposite. And we complement each other very well. And it's been only because I finally got clear on what was happening here. Because after my last relationship, I really had to dive deep. I, I journaled. I wrote about this. I talked to my family about this. I really tried to hash out what's this pattern because it was a pattern. The several people before, over the past six years, have all had this similar thing that wasn't working well for me. And I realized because it was something was off with me and that's Mm -hmm. why I was attracting that. And so once I got clear on that and I really found out, Oh wow, I'm afraid to be a girl. (laughs) I'm afraid to be a woman. I'm afraid to relax and be taken care of. Let's see how I can fix that so that I can finally be in a relationship that is fulfilling for us both. So he can really embody the energy he wants to embody and is best suited for. And I can finally let this guard down that I'm trying to hold up to be tough and strong and it's eating me away and, and, and really change my perspective on strength. What is strength? Is it really to have, to not have femininity or is it to have both femininity and the willingness and the drive to learn and grow? Yes, that's what it is for me. So See, it's a rabbit hole. Like I can just keep going from one thing to another. <laughs> I, it's so I, hard. I, I love this. And I think that it's going to be, um, I, I think that's so, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? My, my audience will definitely resonate with that because most of my audience aren't entrepreneurs, but they're definitely very career goal oriented women. And I think some of the things you said about, um, just putting your guard down, letting someone else take care of you and take the lead is going to be, um, I was just, People are really, really going to resonate with that. And that it's actually a, a nice segue to a completely different question I wanted to ask you. And, and this is something I've never really asked anyone on my show before, but I'm just curious because, you know, you're a 
um, a full-time life coach and you work primarily, I believe, um, one-on-one and, and that's, and that's with me too. So I'm just kind of curious as a coach, how has not, um, coaching, but being coached, how has that facilitated your transformation in your life? Being coached. Absolutely. Um, I, so I, I find that it, it's very, <laughs> this, wow, this ties in so well with the whole fa- uh, feminine masculine thing, actually. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's different, but it's actually very <laughs> similar because I have found myself very attracted to uh, guys as coaches. Hmm. And I think that really fed into the whole energy that was off balance thing. Mm-hmm. So I will say if you are a woman who is receiving coaching and you're realizing, wow, I resonate with this feminine masculine thing. Ask yourself if maybe, just maybe, you you could benefit from having a woman coach you, having a feminine coach and leader instead of this hard, masculine, this is what you need to do, fix it, A, B, C. Maybe what you need is to be led by someone who is in touch with their intuition and makes you think more as a woman than as a man. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had a lot of, I've had a lot of male mentors and coaches, and that's what I've also realized is I'm drawn to this kind of energy. And I realized maybe it would benefit me to, to work and listen to more women if I'm wanting to get more in touch with that side of myself. So well, I will say that having guy coaches has served me very well. It's helped me get to where I am. I communicate very well with men coaches and the way they see things. Um, but I'm at a point now where I realize I really want my coaching to pour over my skill as a coach to pour over into my skill as a woman mm-hmm. and in life. And it's integrated for me who I am in real life is who I am as a coach. So if I want to be more relaxed and feminine in my, in my life, then I think it's important to do that as well with the type of coaching I receive. So I work with coaches here and there. I don't work with them consistently mm-hmm. all the time because I'm extremely self-motivated and uh, generally have a great ability to think out of the box for new ideas. But when I do work with someone, I can provide a, a different type of insight, whether it be for relationships or it be for life and business. It does help a lot. It has contributed to that fire underneath my butt whenever I really want to make something happen. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that you had mostly male coaches because as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, um, so I've worked with one life coach, but we worked for over a year together and she, I mean, she's a, she's a woman. Um, but some of my most early personal development journey started really with yoga and some of my closest, um, most, uh, impactful early yoga teachers were all males. And I never even realized that until you just started talking about it and that got me thinking, mm-hmm. well, who have my mentors been? Um, and I just think it's really interesting because now I think it's completely changed. Like I've been dabbling in this feminine masculine balance in myself and our relationship for, I don't know, probably almost two years at this, at this point. And my, my coach, my female coach really helped to begin and facilitate that, that process. And, and now I'm at a point where sometimes listening to a man talk is almost like harsh. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what about how I feel? (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's so interesting when you notice that mindset shift and you're just like, I don't know if that feels good. I don't know if I want to, if I want to do it that way or think that way. Oh, I love though when you can realize there's a shift in yourself Mm -hmm. that's different because Mm -hmm. it's, you don't, you don't really see it as it's happening. But once you get to that certain place and then you feel that, oh, I don't know. How do I feel? Like, then you're like, whoa, I've changed. This is awesome. Yeah. And what's really great, at least for my relationship with Stevie, is the more clear I've become on like what masculine feels like to me and what feminine feels like to me, the more I'm able to be in my feminine and then let him be in his masculine. Because I felt like before I was really confused on like, okay, what's masculine, what's feminine. And I felt like in some ways I was trying to get Stevie to be like, my friend, like my girlfriend rather than at the time my, my boyfriend. And so now that like, just for my own self that I've, I've had so much more clarity around that. Um, we have not like gender roles, household roles, but we're just like, in terms of like the energy, I think our, our roles are much more clearly mm-hmm. defined. So I, I love that, that you shared that. So thank you. Um, so one more question that I have for you. I know you read a lot. So I'm just kind of curious, what are you reading now and any good recommendations to the audience? 
Yes. If you're resonating with this whole podcast, you're going to love this book recommendation. So I'm reading The Red Tent. Oh, I love that book. <laughs> I am just head over heels for it. And I, I yeah. knew that I would like it, but now I am just like, oh my gosh, I all the feels. It's just, it's, it's, I, I, I ordered about three books that I was thinking, I was thinking I need to dive deeper into this whole masculine feminine thing. Cause I've been mm-hmm. so interested. So I got the book of she, okay. uh, written by Sarah Avant Stover. I have not read that yet, but I'm so excited. She lives here in Boulder and she's an exceptional woman. The book of she all about what we're talking about today. Cool. And then the red tent, cause the red tent. Mm-hmm. And, and then I got a book <laughs> called lucky bitch written by Denise Duffield Thomas, which is all about manifesting in money. Yes. Love her. She's awesome. Yeah. I love her too. And then I'm reading, uh, what's it called? Nightscapes and dream something. It's a Stephen King short stories book. <laughs> so that's oh, my fun. <laughs> that's my fun book. Um, uh, it's nightscapes and dreams and things. I don't know. You'll have to look it up. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon, but it's all these different short stories and that feeds my need for horror, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I love these. Um, I love these. I'm going to definitely pick up the book, the book of she, I've read lucky bitch and the red tent. I love those. Um, so, so good. And just for anyone else who's curious more stuff on this topic or another book that I'm reading is, it hooked, it hit like the, the news wave or the airwaves a few months ago, but it's, um, called Pussy, a reclamation by mm-hmm. Mama Gina. I don't know her, her real name. It's Regina something. <laughs> I've been wanting to get that. How are you liking it? I really like it. Um, mm-hmm. to be honest, Good. like I was little, like the name of it was a little off putting to me. I'm just like not super into using words like that usually. Um, but I, and I'm still not even sure totally how I feel about it, to be totally honest, but I, I love it. It's so good. And what she's saying is, is just like so true. It, she's just, and it's all about, um, stepping into feminine power and, um, being more authentic and most authentic to yourself. And, um, and it's not all about sex and sexuality. I mean, obviously that's part of it. I mean, the book's name is Pussy, but it's really just about being a, a woman. And I mean, she runs the school, the school of womanly art. So that's really what she's all about. And I totally recommend that to anyone else listening, wanting to dive deeper into this topic. Um, all right. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. Now, the very, very last question I asked all my guests is what is your favorite way right now to treat yourself? My favorite way to treat myself probably, and this is just on a regular basis. Um, either on a regular basis or if there's like something like in particular right now that you're really loving either, either one. Mm, Oh man, there's so many things. I feel like my whole life is just to treat myself, (laughs) treat yourself. (laughs) Um, so I would say probably right now it's just my morning routine. It's, it's completely how you start your day is how you do your life. I think. And my morning routine, I have pretty much a toolbox of different options. And then I kind of pull and pick which ones I want to do each morning. Mm -hmm. Right now I wake up, I do, I, I pull out the five minute journal, Mm -hmm. uh, which I love best journal ever. And then I just write down what I'm grateful for inside that journal. And then I have this spirit deck, this animal spirit deck, which is my newest obsession. Mm-hmm. So awesome. I've never been into reading cards, but this is an animal spirit card deck, which is super fun. So I'll ask it a question like, what do I, what kind of energy do I want today? And then I'll pull a card and then I'll read like what this animal means. And that's fun. It's just a good way to set the tone for the day. And then I'll read the devotional section of Jesus Calling, mm-hmm. which is a little book I have. It's just very comforting, tiny little tiny little excerpt, um, devotional, just read a tiny page of that. And then I get up, take my dog for a walk, stop off at the local coffee shop down the street from me, give my dog a little bone from the bone jar and (laughs) we walk back together and then I get started with my day. And it's just a really nice way to, um, have that me time and get some insight for the energy of the the day that I want to have. And that's my favorite thing right now. But honestly, my whole day kind of continues like that. Awesome. I love that. And I'm, I'm a huge proponent of morning routines as well. And my audience knows that I've talked about mine extensively. I'm always curious to hear what other people do. And it sounds like ours are pretty similar. I, I have a pretty much a toolbox too. And just what, depending on what I'm feeling that day. And I might have to try those spirit animal cards. I'm, I'm like you, I'm not really into drawing cards or anything, but that sounds kind of fun and interesting. 
Um, so thank you so much again for coming on to the show today and sharing with us your wisdom. And I know my listeners are going to want to find out more and learn more about you. So where can they go to do that? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And you can find me at maddiemoon.com, which is Maddie with a Y. And on there, you can get my free course, How to Powerfully Live Your One Life. It's a five-part course. And my podcast is also on there, Mind Body Musings. But you can also find that on iTunes or Stitcher. And last but not least, my Instagram is Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N Moon. Awesome. And we'll put all those in the show notes for everyone wanting to connect with you. Well, again, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and all your wisdom here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Date Yourself Radio. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive free coaching with me in an upcoming episode or submit your question. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe to it in iTunes. I would also be so grateful if you left a review since that helps me share the power of dating yourself with more women. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be a part of my community at veronicagrant.com. Until next week, here's to treating yourself the way you want to be treated. Much love and happy dating. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.